0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. I'll say that ain't nobody not out there that even
2: wants to be a little bit mellow now, is
1: there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast Podcast. with host Eddie Trunk.
2: What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, new every Thursday, anywhere you get your podcast, Be sure to subscribe. So you do not miss an episode. news-making interviews with the biggest names in rock and metal each and every week right here on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. And as I tell you guys every week, every interview you hear on this podcast happened live on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation and heard Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Faction Talk. That's channel 103 on Sirius XM. You can also listen to the show anytime you want on the SiriusXM app. Just put punch in uh, Trunk Nation in the search. Audio, video, full shows, interviews will all come up. If you're in the U.S. or Canada and you're only listening to this podcast, you're only getting a tiny taste of what I do every day on the radio on SiriusXM. So I hope you come on board and join me for the daily live show. Or like you said, listen on the app if that window for the live show doesn't work. You can always check it out that way as well. Appreciate you doing so. So we got a great interview for you this week. As usual, it is with Michael Sweet. Michael Sweet is the lead singer and one of the lead guitarists of the band Striper, a band that has been around for about 40 years now and a band that still sounds amazing and very much at the top of their game. Striper is a band that is polarizing to some because they are a Christian metal band Uh, I never really cared one way or the other about that stuff. To me, good music is good music, and uh, I think Striper has given us some unbelievable metal over the years. Regardless of your beliefs, the bottom line is Striper brings it, and they are. I think over the decades they've gotten a lot more respect from a lot of people who kind of wrote them off for whatever reason over the years. They've persevered. It's still three of the four original members of the band, Michael still sings remarkably well, and you're now seeing them show up on a lot of events and different uh, things that maybe you wouldn't have seen them on in the past, you know, various festivals. They recently did the Kiss Cruise. So they're really out there in a lot of different capacities, and I just saw them play at Rock Island in Florida not long ago. And I I really think that uh, them being as good as they still are and being around as they as long as they have been, and still making good new music. The Final Battle, their new album, is a super heavy record. In a lot of ways, I think they've gotten heavier with each record, and Michael Sweet actually addresses that in the interview coming up. The other interesting thing about Striper is that uh, some of their detractors, they've actually now turned into fans and become friends with. A well-documented feud between Michael Sweet and Sebastian Bach, recently they patched that up and have become buddies and even jammed together recently. And on the religious side of things, Michael Sweet talks about this in the interview as well. King Diamond, who of course is the complete opposite, a guy who is, you know, very much about the occult and and that sort of stuff in his music, King Diamond and Michael Sweet met recently. I mean, literally a heaven and hell meeting. <laughs> so it's really fascinating what's happening with this band who have hung in there, persevered in a lot of ways, thrived against some you know pretty heavy odds for about 40 years now and still very much at the top of their game. Their uh, guitarist, Oz, Oz Fox, has had some serious health problems. We touch on that with Michael and all of this stuff, the stuff with Bach, the stuff with King Diamond, the health stuff. All of it is covered in this pretty wide-ranging interview. And, of course, we talk about their new album as well. So Michael Sweet of Striper as my guest this week. I know you guys will enjoy this. Uh, Michael is a a fantastic guy, and uh, it was great to spend some time talking with him. And since we did this interview, which was only a week or two ago that this aired live, Striper have just announced a full U.S. tour, a pretty extensive run, that's kicking off on March 30th in Massachusetts. So if you get a chance, check and see if there's a date coming near you, as uh, they tour all over the world, but a U.S. run was announced just the other day as I was getting ready to get this podcast out to you guys. Be sure to follow me on social media, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page for info and updates, upcoming appearances, and there are several including Super Bowl weekend, I'll be in Houston. Saturday, hosting a show with Steven Piercy and Slaughter. That is at Rise Rooftop in Houston. The same venue, Rise Rooftop, same place, Houston. The next day is the Super Bowl, and I'll be there hosting a Super Bowl party that will include some tribute bands playing before and after the game. So if you're in Houston, hope to see a Super Bowl weekend. Same place, both days. Saturday night, Rise Rooftop, Piercy and Slaughter. Sunday, I'll be there hosting the Super Bowl party. Of course, Chiefs and Eagles and uh, live music around the game should be a really fun time in a really cool setting. That's a really cool venue that I've not been to since it's been remodeled. So I'm excited about that. Also, real quickly, I can just tell you now, a lot of this stuff has just been confirmed. Uh, I have an event. I have a couple things coming up also in Texas in March. So check this out. March 16th. I'm going back to the Guitar Sanctuary in McKinney, Texas, just outside of Dallas, and I've done speaking shows at this great venue in the past, and it's always super well attended and great people, great fun, and I'm going to be doing another one on March 16th. So a speaking Q&A show, Guitar Sanctuary, McKinney, Texas, on March 16th, that has just been confirmed, and... I can also confirm my special guests for this speaking show will be the winery dogs joining me on stage. Mike Portnoy, Richie Cotson, Billy Sheehan will join me and I will interview them live on stage in my speaking show on March 16th. So if you want to come see the guys, hang with me and the guys. Get your tickets now, theguitarsanctuary.com. Again, March 16th in McKinney, Texas. Then the Winery Dogs play the next night, March 17th, in Dallas at Amplified Live. I will be sticking around to host that show. And I'll also be hosting the Winery Dogs show on Sunday, March 19th. And that's taking place at Warehouse Live in Houston. So a lot of Texas time coming up for me. Super Bowl weekend in Houston at Rise Rooftop. And then coming back in March, 16th in McKinney, Guitar Sanctuary, my own show with the winery dogs joining me for it. The next night I'll join them and host their show at Amplified Live in Dallas and also get over to Houston on the 19th, hosting the winery dogs there at Warehouse Live. Keep an eye on social media for info and updates, and I hope to see you if you are in Texas. More stuff going on. My speaking show in New Jersey that was in Mar- uh, mid-March, has now been pushed uh, into April, I believe, is the new date. So if you were planning to come to see me in Tuckerton, New Jersey, at the Lizzie Rose Music Room, we have a new date for that. That has been moved to Friday night, April 14th. All tickets for the existing date will be honored. I'll keep you posted on the socials and on eddytrunk.com. Again, be sure to join me every day on Trunk Nation, Faction Talk 103, live 3 to 5 Eastern or on the app. Without further ado, let's get to it. This week's interview, Michael Sweet of Striper. Enjoy.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
2: Auto trader.
1: Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Issa as host Issa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. How are you, buddy?
0: Eddie? Hey, how you doing, man? I'm here. I, I've been moving all day of the office and the studio, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little spent right now, but I'm doing great.
2: How, how much did it suck coming back from that weather we had in Key West to the cold? And I got off the plane on uh, Sunday, and it was <laughs> sleeting and wind and ice, and I'm 30 degrees, and I'm like, oh, man, what did I leave there for? <laughs>
0: I know, man. It's in perfect temperatures what was it like seventy five during the day and seventy at night unreal uh it, yeah. It, yeah i I'm still not at that point. Maybe I haven't lived here long enough. I moved here in ninety five where I hate the winters with all my passion and heart. Oh. i I'm not there yet, but maybe I'll get there
2: someday. you know that's surprising for a guy from uh, that grew up in this you know Southern California guy that's where you grew up, right. I grew up in California. I was born in Whittier
0: and uh, grew up in those perfect temperatures, man, until the age of 32. And then I moved back here to the East Coast uh, in 95. I've been here ever since.
2: Yeah, that's amazing that the cold doesn't bother you because I've got good friends that still to this day live in Southern California. And when they come east in the winter, they're like, how do you do this? You know, they never adjust to it. Totally. And and you know what, though? It's also there's something to be said for
0: when you – Uh, are in your air conditioned home or car and you open the door and it's 115 degrees outside and it feels like you're opening an oven door. You know, that's a that's the other side of the uh, of the coin. And, man, I don't know. I I had enough of that, I guess, living in in, in not only in California, but in Oklahoma as well, briefly briefly. It was pretty humid and hot there, so you know the cold doesn't bother me too much, man. Well,
2: oh, good, good, good. So, did you have a good time at uh, in Key West? You know, I was telling the audience earlier. Speaking of the weather, it's such a beautiful place, especially this time of year. That I noticed that that uh, you guys, Striper, and some of the other bands actually were there a little bit, you know, got to hang out. You got out in the crowd, watch the bands that the other bands that were playing came in a day early or two days early. So you guys uh, got to spend a little quality time there too and enjoy yourself some. We've been doing that
0: lately. Uh, We make it a point to go in early because uh, so much of the time over the past almost 40 years, you know, we're in and out. We don't get to really see anything and enjoy the moment we play and we go home and that's it. And you look back on those memories and you say, gosh, I wish we had spent some time there. So we've been making it a point to do that. We go in a few days early, whether it's Puerto Rico or Key West or Spain or wherever, and we enjoy our time and get to chill out and relax on the beach or whatever and make it a mini vacation. And I got to see Loverboy for the first time, uh, and I wasn't going to miss those guys. They're one of my all-time favorite bands, always have been. So it was really great, man.
2: Really cool. We watched some of them together, and I think, and I said this to my audience, I think people forget, until you go see them play live, people forget how many hits Loverboy has had. Like, there's literally like 10 songs that they play that everybody knows. It's a pretty deep catalog, and I don't think people realize that. It's insane. And, you know, another
0: band that's similar is, is Foreigner. You know, yeah. and you just hear hit after hit after hit, and you say, "Oh my gosh, yeah!" For, oh, oh, yeah! You know, over and over again. Loverboy's the same way, and and they're up there killing it. They sound amazing live, uh, and just blew my mind. And you know, they're one of if I had to put them on if I had to make a list of top ten favorite bands of all time, they'd be in that top ten for me. Uh, wow! I grew up i I'd crank British Steel, and then I'd pop in Loverboy, and and I I love the uh, melodic splash pop sense of their writing. And I think they're
2: an amazing band. Yeah, and and then Paul Dean brings that crunch, you know, on the guitar, which we were all watching Turn Me Loose and waiting for that guitar riff and all of that. So they do walk that line exactly. perfectly. Exactly. And I love that.
0: And you hear a little bit of that. You might hear a little bit of that in some of our songs. You know, like sure. I, there's a song called Waiting for Love That's Real on Soul Under Command. It's got a little bit of that pop metal sense, and, and that's
2: probably coming from Loverboy. They were a big influence, believe it or not. And we watched some of Styx together, right? Weren't you there when Styx was on? Oh, yeah. Yeah,
0: and Styx is another band, another favorite of mine. And uh, Went to high school with all their music and their songs, and oddly enough, I get compared to Dennis the Young sometimes, and uh, I don't know, I'm still trying Trying to get the comparison, I guess the vibrato maybe, but uh, you know he's obviously a great singer, and I've always loved Sticks, man, one of my favorites as well.
2: But isn't it for you as a singer and frontman yourself, it, it, and and seeing a guy that is uh, a little older than you, maybe more than a little, probably about ten years or so, eight ten years older than you. See, I talked about this, too, with the audience, seeing Tommy Shaw up there still singing like that, still looking like that. I, that's got to be yeah. inspirational to anyone who is in like, who's doing what you do. I mean, that's insane what Tommy Shaw can still do. It is. It is
0: inspirational. And I, I hope and pray uh, that I'm able to do just that as well. And it is amazing because, you know, sadly, a lot of guys aren't. A lot of guys are either gone and not with us any longer, or they can't perform at that level, or they don't look like they once did. They're hard to recognize. Tommy's one of those guys that has it all together. He obviously takes care of himself physically, musically, uh, spiritually, all, all of the above. And, and it shows and that's, that's a real testament uh, to all of us. And it, it does inspire me to want to do better. I try to take care of myself as well. Some guys don't, you know, and it's it's a bummer because I think those people that don't take care of themselves, they lose their passion and their drive. And it shows, unfortunately.
2: I never asked you about this, but what, what, speaking of taking care of yourself, what is your regimen? Because they, I mean, real, honestly, I'm not just blowing smoke here. You look amazing for your age. I mean, you, you're, in, you're, you're clearly in great shape vocally, physically. What, what kind of regimen do you have in terms of like exercise, diet, things you do or don't do for your voice to keep that in shape? I mean, across the board, you, you got it all together. What, what, are, what is the discipline for you? Well,
0: first of all, I have to say this. Uh, I I've always lied about my age. I'm only 39. <laughs> well you could go for it. you could sell that man the way you look <laughs> no man you know what i don't well that's that's high praise buddy thank you my gosh i said the same to you you never age you literally never age and it's great to see people take care of themselves and it shows and you know i i don't really have a regimen or a special list or protocol that i follow i just try to eat right I I try to exercise. I, I, you know, before a a weekend run, if we haven't played for a month, instead of rehearsing for one day or two days, I rehearse for a week. You know, I always I'm always going the extra mile. And that's how I'm built. Uh, I'm a perfectionist and I want everything to be perfect. It never is. But I want it to be. But you're not like a gym
2: rat guy or anything like that.
0: No. No, man. I, I mean I do push ups and sit ups, but I never go to the gym. I just Jesus. try to keep right and take care of myself.
2: I realize you just said Jesus to Michael Sweet, but you know what I, how I meant it. <laughs> <laughs> That's going, all right. Jesus.
0: You, Jesus, you can say whatever you want, man. I, I mean, know. I'm I
2: just mean, saying. I'm saying Jesus to you, like Jesus. How do you do that? But you know, <laughs> maybe that plays a role too, because you're Michael Sweet and Striper. Who knows? But, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, but I would, I swear to God, looking at you, man, I would think because you're always so fit, I would think that's like that you're like one of these guys that like you know never ate a carb and you're in the gym five days a week. I just can't believe that you're, you're you. You truly are blessed in that regard, then.
0: Man, I had pizza last night and I ate left today. Oh, you're killing today. me. You're and
1: killing
0: I me. I mean I, you know, I but I do try to eat. I try to take care of myself and portion out my food. I don't I don't get, you know, double of everything and you know, I do try to watch what I eat, but I'm not I'm not fanatical about it and starving myself. Uh and and I'm I'm always moving. I'm always doing something. I I don't sit around and eat potato chips on the couch watching watching TV. I I'm just always going, man, always moving, you know?
2: And what about vocally? I mean, I saw you guys play a few days ago at Rock Island. I'm listening to the new record, The Final Battle, which is phenomenal. We're going to touch on here in a second, but, but vocally, I mean, we've talked about this and I know that you take just as much pride in your guitar playing, but as the lead singer in Striper, it is truly remarkable what you still do both live and on the records and is, as you get older, we all have seen so many singers hit a wall or their voice changes or, or what have you. Where, where do you. where do you slot in on that? I mean, how do you feel vocally? Do you do things specifically to take care of your voice? Or is it just like natural? Are you a big warm-up, warm-down guy? Or you just go out there and do it? I mean, I've talked to singers and everyone has different philosophies about it. What's your approach? For sure. Everyone does. And my approach is I don't warm up and warm down. Uh, you know,
0: I'll do occasional like exercises here and there. If My voice is a little under the weather or feeling like it needs to warm up. I find that if I warm up too much, uh, I sing worse because you mm. can warm up so much so that you literally are, you know, using up your voice, if that makes any sense. Uh, and some uh, singing coaches will tell you that's not possible. Well, bullcrap. It, it is possible. I don't care who you are. You can talk or sing too much, and then your voice it gets tired. Same thing with warming up. So I try not to over-warm up. Um, I also uh, just know I choose my battles. Um, you know, I don't sing like I used to I, at all. I don't have the range I once had. Uh, I can't hit the notes I uh, could once hit. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, I think that it's worked in my favor because my voice was so high before. And now that it's dropped a bit and gotten a little different with age, it works to my benefit and in my favor. At least this this is my opinion. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, and then I just try to take care of myself, you know. Uh, I, I save the bourbon for after the show instead of before the show, you know. <laughs>
2: So right, was well, so so uh, soldiers under command. The song, end of it, the scream, lords battle plack Can can you still do that? I can still do it, but it's one of those
0: things where it uh, sometimes I can't. So in other words, where I really feel the effect of touring is when we go out and do four shows in a row, and we have five a.m. lobby calls, and we're trying to sleep on the plane. I'm Mm. the kind of singer where if I don't get sleep, I'm not singing. And you will start to hear it. By show one, I can hit that note. Show two, I can hit that note, but maybe not as well. Show three, I'm barely hitting the note. Show four, I'm not even attempting the note. And and that's if there's four in a row fly dates. Okay, now if I'm on a bus, if I'm on a bus sleeping, I can still hit those notes after three or four
2: shows. So it's all dependent upon... Sleep or
0: versus no
2: sleep. Yeah, yeah. You know what's interesting about singing too. So as a fan, I go immediately to a moment like that in your catalog. And I was talking to Rob Halford about uh, once. I was talking about uh, singing and "Victim of Changes" that song in particular. And I said to him, "I go at this point in your life when that scream is coming up, which is so iconic and major in a major moment." I said, "You, that's got to be." weighing on you the whole show that that thing's coming and the whole audience is waiting for you to still do it at 70 whatever years old he is and and i remember him telling me that that for him that actually is not the hard part of that song that it's actually more was more difficult for him singing the breakdown part where you know Changes come over your body. That, oh, that's right. a whole different yeah. register. And he's like, oh, he goes, yeah. those are actually more challenging things sometimes for me than actually doing the high scream stuff, which I was really amazed by because that's not anything I would have ever considered. But as a singer, from you know, the mechanism of it, I, I guess it's just a different kind of approach to come down to that.
0: No doubt about it. For me, it is the high notes. I mean, my, my voice is very fickle. I have a really serious post nasal drip. I've had it my whole life. And the doctors freak out when they scope me and look at my vocal folds, my cords, and they always, uh, you know, send in another doctor to say, God, take a look at this. Cause I have really thick, as they described it, it looks like glue on my vocal cords, but it's a, a, a double edged sword. It, it prevents me sometimes from hitting high notes because I'm <clears throat> all congested. But at the same time, it's protected my vocal cords. So for me, it's those high notes. Those are the ones I got to get over, the hurdles I got to get over. And when I hit them, you'll see a different Michael Sweet on stage because my confidence builds. When mm. I can't hit them, you'll see a different Michael Sweet because I go into a hole. Mm. It's hard to overcome that mentally, really hard.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would think so. Hey, so the new album, as I referenced, came out last year, The Final Battle. And I, I don't know, I mean, when I first heard Trans, Transgressor, the video for it is really cool. I, I, To me, and correct me if I'm wrong, to me, it sounds like Striper gets heavier with every record. I mean, in, in a good way. I mean, it's not thrash metal, but man, even in recent records, there's times he almost bordered on that with some of the, the 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 bass and the the drum stuff going on is that a conscious thing a conscious thing or or is that just kind of where the band's progressing it may very well be uh, like a
0: more of a subconscious thing uh you know for years we've been called many things uh pussies wimps you know a joke uh, you know by by numerous folks who think that we can't play or play metal and we, we don't have the heavy and, and we don't bring the heavy. And maybe it's just years of that coming out. Uh, and we're kind of saying, yeah, really? Okay. You know, let's, let's see about that. I I don't know, but also, uh, we grew up on heavy. Like all you would hear, if you came around the striper rehearsal room in 82 and 83 and 84, or actually Brock's regime at that time, uh, you, all you would hear blasting. Uh, while we were on break, was Dio, uh, Maiden, Priest, Scorpions, you know, not not thrash metal, but but metal, classic metal, and we grew up on that. That's all we listened to, and then you would hear Loverboy, you know, and, and bands like that. So it's really interesting. Um, we just love good songs, but we're we're heavy guys. We grew up on metal. And for some reason, I guess because of the, the glam era, the glam look, the way we looked probably overshadowed the way that we sounded. Because even if you go listen to some of those old songs on the old albums, you're going you're gonna to find some metal tracks on there that are oh, heavy. Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. But yeah there's no people, doubt.
0: People, I think because of the look, maybe that got forgotten sometimes.
2: And obviously, a song like "Honestly" was such a big song, and all of that—the the ballady stuff—and—and—and and, and let's be honest, I'm sure there's people that just would think, "Oh, there's no way a Christian band could ever be that heavy or whatever." But. You you've shattered all that and, and is, so when you go in and write like when you guys are writing this latest album, the final battle, is this just naturally what's coming out at the time or among you guys do you say hey let's do something a little more priestish or maidenish? I mean is it just natural or is it, or do you actually sit down and say well let's let's get a little even heavier?
0: Oh, it was definitely natural. I mean heavy has always been natural for us, but also honestly has been natural for us because we love journey. Yeah. we used to listen to journey all the time
1: yeah, you know yeah. and
0: it wasn't like we were having to fake uh writing a ballad or playing a ballad uh it that came naturally every bit as much as you know soldiers under command or tale with the devil and it's just what we grew up on we love music you know we love the beach boys we love the beatles we love uh, uh you know uh creedence clearwater revival we love buck owens we love we love maiden we love all, it, it, our music is so eclectic, it's it's not even funny, and I think most metalheads are the same way. Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, a lot of guys I talk to, they're like, "Oh man, we love the Bee
2: Gees," and I'm like, oh, "You gotta be kidding me, dude!" So do I. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Maybe I think, they just I don't think... want to
0: admit it. I don't know.
2: Well, yeah, and I think younger people are also going to actually be more in that uh, mode as we go forward because of the way people get music now. Because, of course, when you and I were growing up, you went to the record store, you bought the record that you wanted, and I still hope people do that because I think that's important. But let's be honest, the vast majority of people have a music service and they click and jump around to a million different things and they can sample anything they want. And I think that is absolutely fueled... People being more wide open to other stuff. Look, me personally, I gotta have crunchy guitar or some 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 sort of guitar bass and the stuff yeah. that I love. I'm I'm not gonna be a pop guy per se or a hip hop guy or even a country okay. guy. I'm always gonna have. I always need personally that crunchy guitar element to almost everything that I like. But I think younger people, because of the literally having at their fingertips access to every song genre. I I think that's going to create people that are going to have much more diverse tastes going forward.
0: No doubt about it. And I always perk up a little bit more when there's crunchy guitar, like the Sade song, you know, ordinary love, you know, you hear that guitar come chugging. I'm like, okay, wow. What's this? You know? So I'm, I'm with you on that a hundred percent, but yeah, a great song is a great song. And we grew up on all genres, uh, but you know, good stuff. You know, uh, we didn't listen to, like, there were so many other bands we didn't listen to. We just didn't get into, because, like, uh, okay, we're just not feeling or getting this at all. But everyone else was, and that's fine. Um, But, yeah, man, we're, we're, we're all over the map musically, and I think that comes out in our music and our writing, and you hear that.
2: It's funny, do, while you were playing at Key West the other day, I was standing on the wings of the stage watching, and you came over to me and you mouthed, Lights Out! <laughs> because <laughs> the, song, the song you're playing, you're like, I ripped this off from Lights Out! <laughs> and I heard it, and I was yeah. like, yeah, that is the riff!
0: <laughs> yeah, it's a little different structure, but it is, it's, exactly. I'm huge UFO fans, all of us. We all yeah. were. And that it moment. forever will be, uh, Michael, Michael's my top three in my top three guitar players of all time. Michael, I I'd go with John Sykes, Michael Schenker and, and Randy Rhodes slash Eddie Van Halen may be between those two guys, but
2: yeah. Yeah. For sure. I'm with you. I'm w- I'm with you with a lot of that stuff too, but I always, I always jump in and defend the Paul Chapman era of UFO. I love those records as well. I think they get super overlooked. Wild, willing, oh, and innocent, sure. and mechanics, and no place to run—amazing records. Also,
0: a hundred percent, hundred percent. I just—I'll never forget that feeling I had when I heard Michael play, and just the conviction and the the tone yeah. and the way he delivered his notes—it just blew my mind. I'm like, I'd never heard anyone like that,
2: and you never will hear anyone like that. No, no. And he's still like under 70 years old, I think. I mean, he started in 1970. He was like 15. So he's still like late 60s. He's still out there doing it. It's, cra- it's crazy. It really is. Hey, I was I watched. I was clicking around a little bit before I knew I was going to talk to you, and I I remembered this. The vi- so in the video for Transgressor, you're wearing an eye patch, which I was like, oh, the- Michael, you know, rocking an interesting look there. But then I remembered you actually had a problem with your eye. That wasn't a fashion statement, right? No,
0: it wasn't. At that time, I had to wear the patch because what happened when I didn't wear the patch is i would see uh, almost like double vision uh because everything out of my right eye still does but my brain's gotten more used to it but everything out of my right eye is smaller than everything out of my left eye like considerably so did you have a, did
2: twice. you have detached retina
0: i did it detached twice and then it, there was so much scarring from them trying to put it in place and all the tears they had to remove part of my retina so i have a a uh, permanent peripheral upper vision blindness. It looks like someone drew a sharpie over the top of my eye. You know. Wow. Uh, and it's just really weird. That eye is pretty jacked up. And then my left eye's got two tears. Uh, I've got a bunch of floaters in that eye, and my vision's not too great right now. But you know, I'm I'm happy. I'm alive, and I can see a little bit. And I'm thank I'm thankful.
2: What What is it with rock guys having that retina thing? Because. Todd Kearns had it. Uh, uh, Brent Fitz had it. Both guys when they were playing with Slash. I, I, I mean, sounds crazy, but I mean, could could it be something to do with like head banging? I mean, did did the did doctors give you any insights on why that's happening? That's a really interesting point, man, and a great
0: question. Uh, actually, if you notice, I don't headbang anymore. Yeah. I. I. I, I Throw a beanie on. I don't really care about my hair anymore because I'm not going to be moving it around trying to look cool anyway. And uh, I don't. You never see me banging my head because I'm I'm scared to death uh, that if I do, my other eye is going to detach, or my or my right eye is going to re-detach. Uh, interesting question, though. I mean, Todd Kearns, yeah, uh uh Brent, uh, Paul Gargano, a number of guys came to me when I when it happened to me and. I've been asking that same question, like, I wonder if it has anything to do with this or that, maybe. I know we're all nearsighted, so our vision from far away is poor, so our eyes are elongated and stretched out, so our eyes naturally over time are pulling on our retinas more than the average person. And uh, that creates a problem. I have thinning of my retinas, so you put the two together, it's hereditary, and then you know it could be from head banging it could be from the lifestyle i don't know man
2: who knows when you when your retina detaches does, from your eye did, when it your eye basically detaches inside is it painful when it happens w- what happens to you what do you see what what's the feeling i started
0: noticing back in september of 21 I started noticing a lot of floaters in my eyes when I was watching TV, not just regular, like black dot floaters, but like squiggly line, spider web floaters. And I just thought to myself, I said to Lisa, man, I've got a lot of floaters going on here. I don't know what's going on, but we were moving at the time. We had to be out of our house by the end of September. So I put it off. I didn't go to the eye doctor. And Mm -hmm. we went down, bought an RV, traveled down to Florida and went about business. Floaters kind of went away to some degree. And I was at Disney World with her, and my eye detached. And when that detached, I didn't feel anything. But it looked like someone threw, like, dark gray jelly in my eye that had, like, a thousand black speckles in it. That's what it looked like, like
2: instantly. So you don't see anything. You're, You're not seeing anything but that in that eye.
0: In my right eye, dark gray and a 1,000 black dots. And I said to Lisa, uh, something major just happened in my eye. I have no idea what's going on. Went about my business. It started to clear up. And then I woke up one morning, like three days later, and then all I could see were people's shoes. I had a, a complete blackness except for the bottom peripheral part of my eye. So if you hold your hand up on your eye, and you can only see underneath, uh, you know, just the very bottom of that. That's all I could see. Wow. And I went to an eye doctor, tried to, they wouldn't see me because my insurance was out of state. I said, I'll pay Jeez. out of pocket. They said, we don't do that. Oh. So I flew home and they took me into emergency surgery. And, um, uh, there you go. <laughs> it's like, wow. And then, it, and then it reattached after I went through two weeks of face down. And thinking, all right, I'm doing good. About a week after healing up and being face up, it re-detached again. I had to have another surgery. And that just really was deflating, man. I just, I, it took the wind right out of my sails, you know, to be honest.
2: Oh, man, I would think so. And, and that's got to be really weird, too, because I heard about that. Like, when that happens, you have to, like, literally be on your stomach for, like, however long, right? You, you got to be weeks. face down. Two, two weeks, weeks like weeks, so, you're, you're literally laying hour. face down for two weeks. You can't put your head up for two weeks. God, how you do you cannot, eat? You
0: can't lift it up. You can't lift it. You eat hanging over a counter and kitchen island with your face looking at the counter. It's it, it's really interesting. It's it's somewhat difficult. Uh, and yeah, I got through that, and then I had to do it again. You know, and that's what made me go no. So then I had a third surgery, and it's been okay, thank God been a year uh and i'm okay and you know, i'm trying but to do you you can't outfit. you
2: can't stand up or anything when you're face down i i not to get weird about this but how the hell do you even go to the bathroom or anything
0: uh, you you're face down man you just like you're constantly face down because what happens is uh, they put an air bubble in my eye they injected a bubble either air or oil and you gotta stay face down because that bubble is rising up, pushing on your retina, holding it in place. so when you raise your head up, your retina can redetach just like that.
2: It's crazy I, mean, I again, not to get overly graphic here, but do you wear a diaper for two weeks? <laughs> Like, because if you can't stand up and you've got to be face down, how do you go to the toilet? I'm going to the toilet. Just, I drink a ton of you, water. I'm going to the toilet constantly.
0: Let's just say, man, you get really uh, familiar with your feet. You you learn every every mark on your feet <laughs> and your shoes. Because you're looking at your feet for two weeks and that's
2: it. So you can get up and walk around, but you just got to make sure your face, your head's totally down looking at your shoes.
0: Exactly. And you get your neck uh, after that two-week period when you try to put your neck back up, you, you feel like you've been in a car accident, you know, because your neck is stiffened out.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. Wow, well, man, I'm glad that you're through that and, and hope it doesn't come back. As we continue, though, the Striper health updates, the the <laughs> your, your guitar player, Oz who I see, you know, Oz and your brother, of course, live in Vegas. I live there part-time. I see those guys out and about and always yeah. look forward to seeing them. And I spent some time with Oz at Vamped when I was there a few weeks ago. We were watching the, uh, you know, Tishy Zeppelin show. And yeah. I I got, uh, it was just, whenever I'm in Vegas and I see Oz out and about and playing and smiling, it makes me so happy because it is amazing what that guy has endured and gone through. And he was telling me about it, multiple brain tumors, surgeries. When you hear what Oz has had happened to him and what he has gone through and you see him, uh, his demeanor, his attitude, his ability to play still, it is truly remarkable. Um, Oz seems to be on a good path. Are, are, is, is that what we're looking at? He is. I mean,
0: I think – Oz was, you know, there's that, all those statistics you read about and hear about of the people that, you know, they they were, were basically touching the wrong part of their brain during surgery and they didn't make it through or they lost the use of uh, one side or the other. You hear all these stories, but then there's the other side, uh, the statistics that you hear about where people go through something like that, which is remarkable, and then they're okay. Oz, thank God, falls into that category. You know, he, he didn't lose any of his skills or use of his hands or paralysis or, you know, uh, being, uh, you know, paralyzed in any part of his body. And and everything seems to be completely normal. You know, he takes medication that makes him a little groggy and whatnot, but he seems to be completely 100% himself the odds that we've always known. So that's really amazing. Really cool.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know if people realize the extent of what Striper guitarist Oz Fox has gone through, but multiple brain tumors and surgeries and what have you. And when you see the guy and if you get a chance to see him, whether it's just out and about or playing with the band looks acts the same. I mean, you would think that you'd see a guy that was heavily compromised with what he's endured, but it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. And his, I mean, it's incredible because he'll, t- I'll talk to him about it, and he'll say it with a smile. Like he, the, the guy's demeanor is just—he's not—he's not angry about it. He's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I mean, yep. as if yep. he just got over a cold. I mean, it's crazy. Yep.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> it—it it, is—it's amazing. It is amazing, and you know, it's going through something with your health, whatever it is, um, it really makes you understand how vulnerable we all are. You know, we don't. We don't know what tomorrow may bring or may not bring. And we're not promised tomorrow. Nobody's promised us tomorrow. And that's why I always say on my Facebook page and stuff, I try to tell people, you know, enjoy the moment. Uh, Respect people. Be nice. Be courteous. And because you don't know what tomorrow may bring, you may be in a hospital bed tomorrow or on your deathbed tomorrow or gone tomorrow and you know you want to leave behind something good versus something bad you know your legacy you want it to be good not bad
2: yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, in recent years, there was a lineup change in Striper, Perry Richardson coming in on bass for Tim Gaines. And when I saw you guys recently, it's the first time, really, I got to spend a little time talking with Perry. I mean, I knew him a little bit when he was in Firehouse, but since he's been in in Striper, really the first time I had a chance to talk to him, with him a little bit and hang out with him a little bit. Uh, j- just a super nice guy. Talk about how that's all gone and, and him fitting in and really now gelling with the band now that he's been in for a little bit.
0: Well, it's great, man. You know, all you want in, in a band situation is uh, to, to have peace. And when you have peace, you can make the best music possible. When you don't have peace, you can't. You know, it's, it's nothing but drama, and it's difficult to function and, and move forward as a band and to do well, uh, productive. And with Perry, you know, he brings peace to the band. You know, we, we all smile and have fun enjoy each other's company, and because of that, we go out and we tour and we have more fun touring, we have more fun recording. It's just it's more fun, uh, for lack of a better uh, word or term. And because of that, I think that comes through in what we're doing. And we love Perry, man. He's a a talented guy, talented bass player, talented singer, loves Striper, uh, really wanted to be in the band, really wants to be in the band, He's a big fan of the band, and it's just really interesting how all the stars and planets aligned for us to be together and be in a band together. It's really cool
2: is uh i I mentioned this the other day, and I don't know what you do or don't want to say publicly, but as far as the whole situation with Tim Gaines, are you in touch with him? Has that kind of all been resolved? Is it amicable in any way, or what what can you tell us about what's happened with him and where you know where you guys are at with him?
0: We don't uh, stay in touch, um, to be honest, perfectly honest. And, you know, I think it's a situation where we've all moved forward, including Tim, the band and Tim. We've all moved forward. At least it feels that way, which is good. And, again, life is too short for all this crazy, stupid, silly drama, you know, to keep uh, saying things about one another or attacking one another like you see with other bands. And it just doesn't make sense. It's not fun. It's not enjoyable. Uh, it robs you of your joy. So we wish Tim well. I think at this point in time, he wishes us well. And we've moved forward. You know, we, we love having uh, Perry in the band. And we, we're just enjoying the ride, man, in the moment. And we have no complaints. And we're going to keep doing what we're doing with Perry. Uh, there's no plans of joining forces with, with Tim again or anything like that. Just we're going to keep doing what we're doing. We're getting to that age. I'm I'm approaching 60. You know, Rob's 62, approaching 63. We're getting to that age where we don't have a a lot left, a lot of fuel left in the tank. You know, maybe 10 years, maybe more, maybe not. But, you know, 10 years will go by very quickly Mm -hmm. and it'll be here and gone before we can blink.
2: Uh, Speaking of life's too short. Tell us about uh, you recently played on the Kiss Cruise and you had a reconciliation uh, with uh, my friend and now yours, Sebastian Bach. Tell me about that.
0: Yeah, man. You know, we were on the boat and um, I was talking to Paul Gargano about how silly it is that, you know, Sebastian and I have this this beef and I've tried to reach out to him numerous times and, and blah, blah, blah. And Paul just said, oh, really? Okay, wait here. And he came back and said, I just talked to Suzanne, and Suzanne's talking to Lisa right now, my wife, Lisa. And she's talking to Sebastian, and Sebastian was in tears because he wants to bury the hatchet. and, And it was just crazy how it all evolved in a great way. And then, you know, he basically invited me up to do a song, and... I didn't know this song in particular, uh, God gave rock and roll to you, believe it or not. And, and obviously everyone can watch a video of that and get a good laugh. And, and then we did ain't talking about love and it really. Some people in the comment section said, ah, oh, this feels awkward and weird, but I can tell you it was legitimate and, and we are friends. We're in contact. We've emailed each other several times. We had dinner with Suzanne when we were in Vegas and it, it's real and it's really amazing, really cool.
2: You had said that you went out there, and I guess Baz wanted to do "God Gave Rock and Roll to You," which is a cover of an Argent song that Kiss did. But you yep. didn't really know the song, which again, it's not a huge song, so it's not no, no crime in not knowing that the lyrics and that, and putting put, put it, being put on the spot. But you were telling me the other day, not only did Bach pull you out there to do the song and you didn't know the words, but Paul Stanley standing right in the right wings watching you, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. Because we were texting
0: each other, the band and everything, about, okay, so we're not doing God Gave Rock and Roll. And the band's like, Brent and, and everyone, like, yeah, that's right. We're not Tracy Guns. We're not doing it. We're going to have you out for uh, Ain't Talking About Love. So I'm like, okay, cool. I know that one. And I come out on stage, and, and Sebastian's introducing me and, and being very kind, and we're hugging and stuff. And then all of a sudden, and God Gave Rock and Roll to you. I'm like, oh, <laughs> shit. And you see me reach into my pocket for my phone for lyrics. You can watch the video. It's hilarious. You can see me freaking out. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh my gosh, no. And and then I look over as I'm looking at my phone and there's Paul Stanley right there watching me go through all this and probably thinking, what a, what a moron.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. He probably, he's got so many songs. He probably wouldn't remember the lyrics either. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, I
0: think I apologized to him. We ran into Paul down on the lower level of the boat, and I said, dude, oh, man, I, I didn't know the lyrics. What an idiot, you know? And he just kind of laughed it off or whatever, and it didn't seem to be a big deal. But, you know, it, it, was, it was great to be able to bury the hatchet and to actually talk to Sebastian after so long and realize that we're just two guys, you know? Uh, not to sound like that movie... You know, uh, what was it? I'm just the girl uh, trying to love a boy, nodding heel or whatever. I'm not trying to sound like that, but we're just two guys doing the same thing. Uh, you know, who are both trying to enjoy life and make the best of it. And why, why feud? Why fight? Life, you know, cliche life is
2: too short and it is. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Well, and then one last thing here. Another uh, major meeting that made some news was, and, and a photo and what have you was the you and King Diamond meeting, literally a heaven and hell meeting. <laughs> Talk about that because that could have broke the internet too. Well, you know, when we got the, to that
0: festival, In Mexico, Uh, I walked into our dressing room tent, and right next to ours, it said King Diamond or or Merciful Fate, excuse me. And I said to myself, okay, there's no way I'm going to leave this festival without meeting Kim. And I spoke to someone, and they spoke to someone and arranged us meeting. I went out in the hallway and there he was and he said, "Michael, nice to meet you." I said, "Oh, it's so nice to meet you. What's going on?" And he was all smiles and very gracious and we talked about the weather, where he lives, and the weather where I live and just regular stuff. And it was really in- incredible. You know, because you you have this this idea of what it's going to be, you know, good versus evil and is there going to be a, a war? Is there going to be this? You know what I mean? And it's the exact opposite. And that's really the way life is nine out of 10 times.
2: So you guys didn't uh, go there in the conversation as far as anything uh, in terms of the differing beliefs on each side. You just kind of no. d- two dudes talking. It wasn't like you handed them a striper Bible, right? No, two dudes talking and and, and we enjoyed
0: each other's conversation and if we were out at a, a restaurant, we would have hung out and had some wine and, and, and broke bread together and talked more, you know. Uh, and it's just interesting because some people from both camps freaked out. Most people were positive, but some people from my camp are like, did you get to talk to them about the Lord? You know, I'm like, really? <laughs> You're kidding And he didn't right? talk to you about the devil, right? <laughs> So I'm going to go up to to Kim immediately and say, let's talk about the Lord. <laughs>
2: did that's you talk about I... doing, did you talk about doing a duet together? That would really be a cool so, thing. That's something I would have talked to him about first and foremost. I did
0: not. And, and maybe that will happen someday. That would be amazing. But we just talked about regular stuff, you know, and, and it was brief. It wasn't a long conversation, maybe five minutes, six minutes. And um, his wife, Uh, wrote on my Facebook page about how she wanted to meet me and meet the band and how great it
2: was that Kim and I met. And it was just really cool, man. It was, it was amazing. And I'm sure there's a mutual respect there. I mean, I know King and he's a, he's a, he's a very smart guy and he's a very engaging guy. I've had him on the show many times and uh, you know, he's, he's, he's fascinating to talk to and, and you are as well. So just, you know, fly on the wall for that would have been really Really, I mean, I know you guys just talked about surface stuff, but I think it's um, you're you're both intelligent, well-spoken guys, and I thought I think it would be a really engaging conversation to really you know to get into that a little bit more. I mean, it would be amazing if you guys did a song together, and you're both. I mean, you both have very very powerful, unique singing styles from a musical standpoint. It would be pretty interesting. You would be open to doing it. Well, sure. Of course. I mean, and, and let me put it this way. I, before I do anything, I think about it and
0: not to sound silly, but I do pray about it. You know, I pray about everything that I do. Like, should I do this? You know, and, and, and some people might think like, that's weird, but it's just how I live my life. And um, I, I, I would certainly pray about that as I did doing Sweet and Lynch. And especially as I did doing Sweet Lynch three, because I was out, you know, I wasn't going to do any more.
2: Well, we and should mention that. You there is George was on this show last week and mentioned it that there is a third album that you have coming with George Lynch, right? There is,
0: yeah. And after much thought and consideration and prayers, you know, not to, to be a clown, but uh you know, I just didn't want to do it for numerous reasons and then I finally decided to do it and I felt comfortable, like, okay, let's do this. And we did an album. We did a third Sweet Lynch that's coming. I think the release date is in May sometime, maybe 15th or 16th or something like that and um it's really cool man it's really different it's very unique and different from the first two i thought the first two were great especially the first one uh i thought that was a great album and this is also a great album and it's got you're going to hear like what i try to pull out of george all the time is dude just give the fans the george of old You know, George, I think, would be, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think George would be happy doing something really different, unique, that's only made comprised of six notes for a guitar solo. But people want to hear George shredding. Mm -hmm. They want to hear him going off and hear that fiery tooth and nail, like, whoa, okay, there's George. And that's what I want to hear, being a George Lynch fan. And I I keep trying to pull that out of him, and I feel like we got that on this album uh, even more so which is really cool.
2: When you said you had hesitation about working with George again uh, on a number of levels, can you share what some of the reasons were? It was it? Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. It's not anything against George at all. I love George. I respect George and I love George. I think he's brilliant. I think he's one of the best. And I think he's a great person too. Uh, We're all a little odd in the sense that, you know, we're doing 20 projects at, at once and, you know, we're stretched out and, you know, I think that makes this a little a little interesting sometimes, myself included. But in terms of my friendship with George, George is a great guy and I love working with him. The thing that I didn't like about the first two is often it felt like I was the only one promoting the album mm-hmm. or albums, you know, I, I would literally, I'm that way. I, I'm that guy that posts twice to Facebook every day and I'm campaigning and I'm, I'm marketing and promoting those albums like no other and that's what I do and maybe I should have been that and and, and, you know make that my living I don't know but you know when I when I see other people not doing that at all and a week goes by and I see one post from everyone else and then there's you know 30 from me it's disheartening And it's like, wait a second here. We're a band. We're not, it's not, this isn't a solo show. So I felt a little distraught about that. I felt like, man, you know, and after the second album, I felt like it's not really worth doing a third one because we're just going to go down that road again. This time around, uh, we did things differently. And I'm hoping that everyone really gets behind the album and talks about it. It sounds like George is talking about it. He talked with you about it. Um, Well, he
2: brought it up along with the 18 other records he has coming out this year. But (laughs) I mean, that's the problem. Yeah. That guy pumps out a record a week with somebody. Well, and God
0: bless him, man. And, and if he can do that and he feels confident and comfortable doing that, God bless him. I don't. I mean, I could, if I if I went in the studio that much and did it, I could do that. But I prefer not to because I feel what happens with me is I start to compromise uh, who I am as an artist. I don't want any performance to be, uh, you know, not the best. I want it to be my, give my best and give my all to every performance. And if I did five or six albums a year, I wouldn't be giving my best. I'm just speaking for me. And, you know, that's why you don't see that out of Michael Sweet. You still see two or three projects a year from me, uh, which is a lot. You know, we've got Sweet and Lynch coming out. I've got another project coming out uh, on Frontiers later this year that's a little different. It's a little more Journey meets Foreigner. Uh, not, not metal at all. Uh, and then we've got a a Striper acoustic album that uh, we have in the can and you know, there's a lot going on, but yeah, George, wow. It it blows my mind. And I, and George and I joke about that. We just joked on the phone about that. He's like, how many projects you got coming out? And I said three, maybe four. And he goes, dude, that's nothing. I've got and it's funny man and it's not really a competition but it it is in a in a fun way
2: you know last thing i'll let you go because we had a lot to catch up on and i'm glad we've done it uh as far as going forward here with striper for this year of 2023 uh just live shows actual touring fly dates jumping on different stuff what's the what's the year looking like for you guys oh
0: gosh really busy calendar's full we we start off with uh Uh, we're going to do a tour in Australia. We leave in three weeks, I think it is. And we're doing five or six cities there. Then we come back and we do Monsters of Rock. And then we jump on a ground run for six weeks. And we'll be out doing a lot of shows during that time. We're filming our documentary this year, finally. We start filming that. Uh, We've got these uh, two albums coming out. Sweet Lynch and May, the other one, the end of the year. Um, and uh, gosh, I'm going to be finishing up another solo album. Music's done for that. Uh, more Striper dates. I mean, there's a ton of dates beyond the six-week run. So uh, there's a lot going on, man. It's a busy year. Every year super busy. And we're thankful. I never take it for granted the fact that I'm I can still do this and I'm alive and people want me to do it it, it really blows my mind because uh, I thought that was that ship sailed twenty years ago uh, and I'd be you know working at Home Depot or something like that for, for you know a long time so to, to know that I can still go play music and make a living at it and do what I love and make people happy doing it just is humbling it blows my mind.
2: And more, and, and as importantly, still doing it at a very high level because you're not out there making a mockery of the legacy of the band. You're still honoring it and, and making great new music. Like the new album that's out there called The Final Battle that I highly, highly recommend. And uh, last thing, when The Final Battle came out, there were some Striper fans that got a little concerned thinking the title led into maybe this is the last record, almost like a farewell sort of aspect to the band. That's not the case, right? Not that I am aware of, we have not discussed that, but
0: it certainly could be the case in the sense of we just don't know what may happen next. I mean, again, with these health issues we have going on, you know, we may not be able to make an album for uh, quite some time, or we may not be able to make an album period because of funding or because of who knows. And, you know, we have not discussed ending right now, no. At all, okay. and our plans are always to do more. But there's nothing on the books right now for another album to follow up the final front, the final battle. I keep wanting to say the final frontier, the final battle. What what that title means and it represents is the battle, the infamous battle of Armageddon out of Book of Revelation. That's what it's supposed to, uh, you know, bring to mind.
2: Well, a relief for Striper fans then that it's not a. Farewell tour, sort of statement. So good to know. Listen, Bud, I uh, love catching up with you and uh, thank you for the time. And it was great seeing you last week. And if not sooner, I'll see you on board the ship on the Monsters of Rock cruise. And everybody just keep an eye at on, uh, as Michael said, he's active on Facebook, Striper website, whatever the case may be, to keep up with everything going on. And having just seen the band live a few days ago, I can tell you, uh, you guys are sounding as great as ever. So uh, congrats on everything. Best of health to you and Oz and the band and the families. And uh, I'll see you out there soon.
0: Thank you, brother. And thanks. Thank you for always supporting us and waving that striper flag because a lot of people don't. And you do. And that's brave. And we thank you. We're very, very I, appreciative, man. So God bless I, you.
2: I appreciate it, man. And I'm looking forward to the doc. I'm a huge fan of documentaries. So you guys are a great subject for a documentary. I'm glad to hear that's in the works. Is there a timetable that that's coming out? You want to get it out this year? year or?
0: Yeah, we, we this year we're working on it, and we're looking at next year having it having it finished and getting it out there. Man, we don't want to wait beyond that. Uh, we were able to raise a lot of money through a Kickstarter campaign. We raised basically a quarter of a million dollars. Our goal was 100, and we raised two, over 250. And um, we want to do it right, you know. We really want to do it right, but it's coming and it's going to be powerful.
2: Awesome. All right, man. Well, I'll talk to you soon. All right. You know where to get me. I'll talk to you soon.
0: All right, Eddie. God bless you, man. Have a good one and uh, keep up the great work. And I'll see you soon, man.
2: Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Well, thanks to Michael Sweet. Hope you enjoyed that interview. Like I said, since we did that interview about a week or two ago, Striper have announced a full U.S. tour kicking off in late March. Check and see if there's a date near you. I can tell you, having just seen the band play live, they are still very much at the top of their game and sounding amazing. And I thank Michael for being so open and candid about everything. I mean, we covered so much in that interview. It's always great to speak with him. And again, just a reminder, that interview happened live on my SiriusXM radio show, Trunk Nation. Be sure to tune in Monday through Friday, SiriusXM Channel 103, live, 3 to 5 Eastern, noon to 2 Pacific, or anytime you want, on demand on the SiriusXM app. Social media, again, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook page. My thanks to Joel Pollack for producing, and I will see you guys next Thursday for another episode of of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and also, of course, on the radio on Sirius XM. Take care.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this
1: charming devil.